0: Welcome to KCI Cast, where the people of the Krauss Center for Innovation come together to tell stories, listen, and connect with other educators, changing the world one learner at a time. This is your host, Kate Tolnai, and I am ready to get this convo started. Let's do this. Well, welcome everyone to the KCI Cast. My name is Kate Tolnai, and I have the honor of interviewing some of the v- amazing voices of the KCI community. Today, we have a guest voice um, from, most recently from our Merit 21 cohort, but also a past Online and Blended Impact Program participant and just all around amazing human being that I've had the pleasure of knowing for years, Miss Katie McNamara. Yay! Hey, thank you so hey. much for having me. You're so welcome thanks for um saying yes to to this before we get going um i want to ask you a question oh what would is you, it huh, would you <laughs> rather teach in the classroom right after p.e or right before
1: lunch oh right before lunch have you ever taught like middle school kids like yeah sensory overload like even for me <laughs> um the senses that come off their bodies never mind. after p.e Cool. Oh. Oh, that, that would be a hot mess before lunch. So I'm kind of like, he, I can, so you'll have- take the hangry
0: oh. over the stanky.
1: Oh yes. And I got crackers <laughs> for the extra hangry. So we're all good.
0: <laughs> I love it. Fully prepared. Fully yep. prepared. I love it. Your emergency toolbox is ready to go. Well, that is a wonderful segue into what you do. So Katie, introduce yourself, tell Casey, I who you are, what you do, where you do it.
1: Hi, all I am a high school teacher librarian for the current high school district, and I also serve mm-hmm. as program director for the teacher librarian credential for Fresno Pacific University. So what that means is like I do a gazillion million things because that's what teacher librarians do. Gone that's are the days so where libraries are just books. <laughs> like, oh, huh, do I sit and read all day? Um, no, <laughs> not for <laughs> any of my day. <laughs> Sitting, reading, what? Uh, So yay, I get to do a lot of different things, which is perfect for me because I love all the things and my passion really is in (laughs) curriculum design. So I focus in that direction.
0: So what does that look like for you as far as partnering with other teachers? Like, are you co-creating lessons with them or do they just like... How, what does that even look like in the high school district? Because here I am imagining, like, you know, the librarian sitting in the rocking chair, like reading this, reading the picture books, the kindergartners. <laughs> That's what you I mean, <laughs> do.
1: So I still do read picture books occasionally because there's mm-hmm. some awesome themes in those books, right? They're not just for, like, eight-year-olds. And some of my Mm-mm. books, like, oh, my goodness, you cannot read them to an eight-year-old. But what does the co-creation look like? It it really varies. And there's a lot of elements that go into the variance. Um, Honestly, sometimes they put into mind the current situation. Like honestly, during COVID, collaboration was like 2% them and the rest was me. And that's not really collaboration, but that's where my teachers were at. They just needed so much help or like, just please do this for me. And so I would take what I could off of their plate, but minus total chaos it's more like a 60 40 still more on me but that's okay because also like another um like hat that a teacher librarian wears is pulling in um relevant technology edu trends Mm -hmm. so it's possible that my teacher is unaware of this new thing that just helps make learning fun and engaging so i'm developing this lesson stuff for them as well as kind of getting some backwards personalized development as well or sorry, mm. professional development, because yeah, they'll, they'll learn something as well with how I tweak it. Like um, that's how someone's learned about book snaps. I bring it in mm-hmm. like, oh, you want your students to like annotate the section of the book for like pull out themes. Well, let's do that through a book snaps. Like, oh, okay, but what does that look like? So having the conversation of um, what the teacher's goal is mm-hmm. and then kind of backwards mapping it and then adding that fun factor because my evil plan, well, am I allowed to sit say <laughs> my evil plan? I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm here. Okay. I'm here for it. So my evil plan is for the teacher for this. Oh my goodness. I'm just stumbling. My evil plan <laughs> is for the students to be begging their teachers when they get to come back to the library. Yes. <laughs> right. So like right now we're doing our crime scene in the library and the kids are just having so much fun with that. And that was collaborative as well. I went to a team, they're like, are you going to do one this year? It's like, well, I wasn't really planning on it, but okay, let's go. (laughs) And I so I tied a crime scene to Midsummer Night's Dream that the 10th Uh grade team is covering in class. Um so collaboration just it it varies. Sometimes it's more of a split thing, sometimes it's a bit more on me. And then depending on how we want to go with the co-teaching, but co-teaching is always awesome because it's two of us. Yeah. with them, and that's always helpful. Students, no matter how old they get, they really need that side-by-side support. And when you look yeah. at classrooms that have 40 students, one to 40 is not good. Two mm-hmm. to 40 is much better odds.
0: Mm-hmm, so true. And so when high school students are coming in, to spend time in the library, it's it's usually when they're when they're technically in another class and the class goes to the library. Is that right, or how else do you interact with the students? Hey, okay, so huh.
1: I do believe it's the best job on campus, but it's a little <laughs> like hairy. So yes to that. The classroom teacher brings their class in. I also teach library science course to students that are assigned to me that I have ah. Monday through Friday throughout the week, and I basically have to do, I did this before that there were terms for a flipped classroom during class time Mm. Mm. set my students up to be productive without assistance. Because when I have a visiting class, I have to give that visiting class my attention. Mm -hmm. Not that I don't adore my actual students, but it's (laughs) this pull. So yeah, I'm doing the flipped classroom during class time with my library science students. And then I've got to figure out how to manage all of these things
0: okay so what are some instructional you said your heart is really an instructional design that's really where your passion lies and where your creativity flows so what are some strategies the go-to instructional design strategies that you just you you find yourself using again and again
1: so i look at any way i can curate real easily so Mm -hmm. what does that look like if i'm curating a lesson maybe it's designed in a hyperdoc and then looking at tools that are helpful so maybe i'm designing my hyperdoc via wakelet Uh Oh my goodness. And then um, just whatever it is, it's going to make learning more pleasant for the students and the teacher. Like I want my teachers and myself to enjoy what we're doing as well. So classroom design, also going a step further, like what's the point of this? What are the students going to do afterwards? How are they going to take this and make something better? whether it's with themselves if it's their neighborhood or a global scale how does this transfer beyond my four walls so all of those pieces come into my curriculum design and sometimes there's a stretch of that connection but definitely there and bringing in choice always always choice Mm -hmm. so choice of like their learning their end product and that's where i can bring in the creativity Mm -hmm. so they get to you know, figure out what makes them most warm and fuzzy. Like today I was talking to my library science students. They just got through pitching their projects for their final exam, which was hard for some of them. Like they were like, can't you just tell me what to do? I'm like, well, but can't you just think? Like that's the constant (laughs) battle, right? (laughs) <laughs> and, and I've been really impressed with the pitches they've given me. Like, yes, that's amazing. That can be your final exam project. And today we are talking about curating. I'm like, well, where have we curated? like, oh, in docs. Like, where else? Okay, Wakelet. Where else? Canva. And with each different um, platform, different eyes lit up. So that's mm-hmm. where the power of choice really comes in. Someone mm-hmm. who's warm and fuzzy about curating in Canva is going, like, run with it. I guarantee there's someone listening right now was like wait what you're reading canva what could that even look like i just make like a graphic and move on like exactly <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah well okay so i'm hearing all of these like tech tool drops and so one question i have one curiosity i have is like how do you how do you keep track of all these different tools and, and how do you help teachers decide which tool's the right tool for them to use? Because I heard HyperDocs, BookSnaps, Wakelet, choice ChoiceBoards, um, Canva, Google. I, mean, you, I feel I'm hearing all these things, which just tells me like how you dedicate yourself to like knowing all these. But how do you help a teacher pick one, pick the right one for
1: them? So with that, it really depends on what that goal is so when we do mm-hmm. the curriculum design, I also look at backwards mapping and then also mm-hmm. future like the next unit, what are we going to do next so. I might have a beginning curation task uh-huh. and I, I, I might maybe I use Wakelet for it, but I know this other project is going to ask for some more and I want them to use Wakelet, but I want them to have a comfort level with it first. So we'll do a lower task in the platform to get them warm and cozy before Mm -hmm. we like up it and move on to the next thing.
0: Do you get to lead professional learning like with groups of teachers at your school or in your district?
1: Not as much as I would like to. A lot of my professional learning is more one-on-one or like national events, ask me to speak when that
0: happens. (laughs) you're like either one teacher or a state you know how it goes yeah. it's <laughs> the world it's all good <laughs> uh, that's so funny okay I know you I've heard you talk again and again about your love of the single point rubric so maybe talk, share with us a little bit about what it is where you learned about it all that stuff and then why you love it
1: okay, you I want you to do the why first because okay. this is just amazing and if anyone knows who first said this I would love to give proper credit I just knew I heard a long time ago and it had been around a long time. Okay, so you ready? Taking notes? Taking notes. School is not a place for young people to watch old people work. Ah. Okay, so grading can become that mess. Like Uh and I've done sessions like how to tame the paper dragon. And then if you're teaching English and you do an essay a quarter, like one does not get better at writing if one a quarter, but then you're like, but if I do an essay a week, one does not stay married. So like, where is that balance? right? (laughs) Okay. You can research that. There's some statistics about teachers and yeah. Okay. So I was talking with my students because I was just really bothered with this whole grading thing and the time it was taking. And I've I've been teaching 25 years. So I've done my due diligence with all kinds of grading. And my students share their frustration with the four point rubric, that it's this crazy box table thing, that they don't really understand. There's these adjectives exceedingly well. What does that look like? You know, is that a water Mm -hmm. well that just is super large? Like like really, what does exceeding well mean? It's so much wiggle room for interpretation on both ends, Mm -hmm. the students as well as the teachers. So then i was like okay we can make this easier and i'm looking at the way i teach and what i really care about is do they do it okay because also what i'm supplying them to work on is meaningful it's hitting standards that i need them to build on for the next thing it's not this worksheet i grabbed from my file 10 years old ago it's pertinent so it's real important that they do these steps so they can be successful for the next thing. So <laughs> that's really like the main goal too. Did, did you work through this? Not, did you do it exceedingly well? Right. But did you go ahead and put time into this? That's what really matters to me. I can have a holistic checkpoint for my head. Did you do blah, blah, blah. You did right. it or you didn't do it. Not, you did it super well, you did it kind of okay. So that just right there takes away so much stress from the student it makes it easier for the teacher to grade and also like removes that opportunity for, um, the the biasness that comes out when we grade, Mm -hmm. like it, it it happens. Like I'm really intentional to like grade a class at a time too. So that if I'm in a bad mood, even it doesn't impact someone else unfairly. Yeah. It happens occasionally, Mm -hmm. but that single point rubric, just like, okay, did you do this? And I go into that when I introduce it, knowing full well, that, Some people are going to go super extra on some assignments because we have all that choice and whatnot roped into it. Some people are going to just do the bare minimum. Well, single point rubric, I've allowed that bare minimum. Whereas before, you know, someone might do like three quarters of it and get a C. Mm -hmm. I'm not okay that they decided, hey, peace out on 25% of this task. I'm just not going to do it because I don't feel like it.
0: Right.
1: So that's the other part of it. If what I'm giving is meaningful and important then it's important they they complete it all not important that they get a c for doing 70 percent.
0: right oh my gosh got it so it's so i love what you're saying about you know identifying bringing awareness to biases that we have i i actually just jumped into um a, a course on linkedin what is it, premier maybe, whatever, the one you, the, the e-learning you do on LinkedIn. And it was all about these, it, it was a definition of probably 15 different like implicit biases that we are unaware of in the hiring process. And it makes it, all I could think about was as we grade, it's the same, mm-hmm. it, it, was, it was powerful to see like each of these biases unpacked and go, oh, that's what that means, you know, and putting <laughs> names to it and words to it. You're so right
1: right so if my assignment says like make a screencast explaining blah 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 and give me the hyperlink okay do they make a screencast <clears throat> does that screencast show this thing and is it a hyperlink any one of those things not quite done like okay try again and that's the other piece of it if they don't have it done successfully mm-hmm. give them that time to get the feedback and modify it yeah and that becomes even more critical when you're looking at full credit or no credits.
0: Yeah, do you have how, how has it impacted engagement with your oh, students?
1: It's, it's amazing. So now I don't have people like trying to figure out what little they can do to still pass. <laughs> <laughs> right? I take yes. that opportunity away from them. They know they have to do the thing you might you not might it might not be your favorite thing right now. But yeah, we're going to work on this and we're going to need to get through it because we're going to build on this skill.
0: Yeah, yes. Well, it sounds also, it reminds me of micro learning, right? That deconstruction of bigger learning principles mm-hmm. or bigger learning concepts into these like finite, like mini tasks that, that I, I mean, I'm super passionate about for professional learning, but also for K-12 because like, just it just kind of acknowledges the, the, the challenge we have with attention spans and like also, you know like you're saying which i love you know it's not about wiggling the grade it's about showing proficiency can you do it and i feel like that's so empowering and missing in a lot of instructional design i love that
1: and then you want to level up the single point rubric action yes. okay so yes. here's how you level it up not only leveling have, up yeah not only do i have that single point rubric is the only way you get a grade is with a conversation Mm -hmm. Okay, Mm -hmm. so we're going to sit side by side. You're going to pull it up on your device and we're going to have maybe a minute conversation looking through like the quick check, like is the stuff there, is it completed? I can go do the minutiae grading later to see what skills I need to come back and teach, but I can at a quick glance Mm -hmm. see, okay, is what I asked present? And if it's not, I can let them know like right away I see that you have this, but you're still missing this piece. Do you have questions on this piece? Okay. Well, and then uh, if you answer whatever questions and then they can go back and fix it with that, just aha, uh-huh, like release, relax, that I can still yeah. do this and still get all my credit.
0: Well, at what point is that before like the deadline or is that, when do you do that conferencing?
1: So I'll do that at the deadline or beforehand. So it's up uh-huh. to the students that they want to show me something earlier. Got on the it. deadline definitely and then because what i'm providing is important yep. yes i'm going to let them rework it absolutely and you're probably not going to hit
0: the final grade if it doesn't come in on time is that is that part of it too like if a kid has to go back in ooh, ooh okay ah, you all can't see her face but i can see it she's okay <laughs> so here's a question you have the student that conferences with you on the day of, you say you have X, Y, and Z to do in order to submit for grade. Um, they do it, but it takes them a couple days. Does that hit their grade?
1: Why would it hit their grade?
0: A great question.
1: Yeah, how many of y'all have ever been late on your PG&E bill? Oh, right. Taxes, you know, not that I'm like, you know, <laughs> say that this is a good practice necessarily, but and then that assignment's really not late anyways. They they had the conversation, we talked right. about it, and so they're getting a chance to refine it. Okay. Well,
0: in full transparency, um, our our team at KCI is very deep into our book study of equity um, equity for great uh, sorry grading for equity, and just today we had like an hour conversation about the role of homework and how it impacts the grades oh there's the dog and um an extra credit we talked a lot about oh, gosh i'm muting yeah. you're up katie talk i,
1: I will oh, wait, exactly so when we look at our grade and late policies how much of that is compliance that we're focusing on how much of it just ignores life in general. And sadly, something I've had to like question myself, if someone's not doing the work, how much of it is because my lesson wasn't as good as it really should have been. And that's a really hard question Mm -hmm. to deal with, but that's a piece of it too. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. and not that we as the as the teachers or instructional designers have to take that all on because you know spheres of influence and spheres of control are they matter but at the end of the day you know it, there is something to be said about taking ownership over the experiences that you're building and whether or not we're pushing ourselves as instructional designers to be as empowering as we can in our design oh that's, that's I, a hard something for people to hear katie
1: it is hard and they and get to um That students need to be doing what they're told at school and all this jazz. But then I also think about students don't have a choice because we sometimes say, oh, well, they couldn't get away with this at a job. Well, you know, they're choosing that job. Yeah. They're not choosing these six hard classes that they're in throughout the day. And they're also
0: not choosing to go back to back to back to back to back with five minutes to get from one subject to the next and one room to the next and deal with all of their emotional turmoil. And I mean, you name it. I'm middle school teacher in me is going loud right now.
1: Right. I'm helping students um, set up their schedule for college next. They're like, okay, we're just starting. So let's do these classes just Tuesday, Thursday. Yeah. And eyes just line up yeah. like, what? That's an option. Like, oh, heck yeah. And I know you, you know what you're gonna be doing on Friday. Okay. So the classes is yeah. Tuesday, Thursday. <laughs>
0: But like so what you talked good, about like yeah. having
1: even that control of where you are when a very yeah. a very basic just human need like yeah just have some control of where your feet are taking you i agree
0: and i don't know if there's enough time spent in teacher prep programs and credentialing programs to really help educators understand the, like so much so much more about what especially our secondary learners need i mean it's not that different than adult learning theory. When you're looking at 16, 17, 18 year olds, like they're, the, their brains are still developing, but they have foundational needs that adult learners do as well. And there's people don't talk about that, the, the autonomy, the need to have voice and choice and feel empowered and show their proficiencies and don't waste their time and all of that. Oh,
1: exactly. Because a lot of times that maybe it's even a middle school. let's go there. Maybe yeah. it's a 12 year old hmm. who is the most mature person in the household who is hmm. in charge of the household so yeah your homework isn't that important your first period lecture they're sleeping in because they got two hours sleep last night dealing with the baby like there's all of these just other components and if you can give grace give it i love
0: it it's so it's so nice to know not not nice nice is like an an illegal adjective in my world but it's so uh, I guess it fills my heart to know that you are in a space where you're impacting next generations of teacher librarians, because they feel like that has such great impact. And maybe before we totally wrap, I would love to have you share a little bit about the work that you do at Fresno Pacific University in the teacher librarian program, because um, we don't give enough time and space to our teacher librarians and our, our library media specialists, and they do such important work at schools.
1: Thank you so at fresno pacific university um i help get teacher librarians ready to teach your library so <laughs> it's individuals that already have a base credential in california um, and now they're choosing to take this next step so what are we working on we're working on the things that we shared right here how do you bring in that tech how do you learn the new tech how do you stay on top of those things and um, getting that game plan because there's so much information but you can't Um, figure it all out yourself. You can't give it all to your teachers. So having that game plan and what works best for you, because again, like learning how you learn is helpful. Maybe Twitter is your jam, maybe webinars is your jam, but how are you making sure you're staying on top of things? And then also that piece about collaboration. We hit a lot more than that, but those are some elements as well as curating the books especially for representation mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. the windows and doors and sliding glass smear by, um, Rudeen Sims. All of that is super, super important. How do you do that juggle? And mm-hmm. then there's all of this administrative stuff we have to do on the back end. No one has ever nor will ever come in and be like, dang, these shelves are pretty amazing <laughs> collection development. Not going to happen, but it's so, so important to know our students and be able to feed them through Mm -hmm. books. How do you get a more compassionate, empathetic environment? It's the power of books. Mm. Mm, I love
0: it. I love it. Um, I know you just dropped a couple titles of books right there and I didn't write it down. So you're going to give me those for our show notes for later. Um, as well as I think it'd be great if you could share out the information about the Fresno Pacific University program, because who knows if that's something that somebody might just be itching for right now. I mean, we, we know educators are, are looking for options and trying to figure out, you know, where to put their passions and where, where they might be able to like find, find their they're ish again, you know? And so maybe it is in teacher library science. I, I, I,
1: every time we talk about it, I'm like, why don't I have that credential, you know? <laughs> well, definitely. And I, to brag, like this program at Fresno Pacific University is 100% mm-hmm. focused on school library. Where sometimes you might also get classes about public library. This is 100% for oh. your kids and teachers, yes. And bonus, all of the professors are also doing school library in some capacity. So when we change something in the moment, it's because, oh my gosh, we're living this moment. We're in the trenches with all of our students. And that just creates a nice little cadre as well. So your PLC is part of your professors as well, because we're doing this Mm -hmm. together. Oh my gosh.
0: My heart is full. Katie, it is always lovely to hang out with you and how fun to do it on a podcast and recording it for the world to hear. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> if people want to get in contact with you, it's the best way for them to find you.
1: The best way is Twitter and at mm-hmm. Katie J McNamara.
0: Okay. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes as well. And um, where are you sharing next? Do you have a next conference that you're going to or next? What are you doing next?
1: So hopefully it's ISTE, Um, I'm working on funding. That's always the fun, not so fun thing of the teacher. Like, okay, so I'm supposed to do a session about wellness and Wakelet. (sighs) I would love to do that and be there. And if I'm there, then yes, I want to see all the wonderful people. Do you have like a, do you, do you have
0: um, teachers? No. What is it? Where they can donate to professional learning?
1: I don't have that set up. And I, I really like oh. struggle with this. Like there's, there's funding, like schools okay. wanting to send teachers. I understand. Guys. Okay. But yes, you're right. I, maybe I will look into that.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I'm just an idea. I hear what you're saying. I mean, you know, there's like only enough money to go around, but sometimes there's enough money to, to hit your needs as well. And all that being said, Katie, um, I, I hope you can get yourself to este but I just hope you keep sharing your story because I have loved learning alongside you for all these years and
1: ah, you're a wonderful human. I really do appreciate your work. Thank you, friend. But if you're not going to ISTE and this was a Mm. struggle that I have, guess Mm -hmm. what? KCI Mm. is doing an amazing program (laughs) those same days. It's the same days. like what? Choices, okay, so we got options and you don't have to worry about funding for the KCI magic. (laughs)
0: <laughs> we'll put a plug in there as well and um, maybe we'll have you back, Katie, closer to when we launch uh, or when we're doing some some more chats about the online and blended impact program because again like like you are a, such a, a prominent voice in the space of teacher and library si- or library science and media specialty and I just would love to continue to maybe we have you bring a friend on next time and we start to grow this network because I feel. I feel like it's it's an untapped area of education that deserves a lot more attention and, and support. So until Always next time. Always willing to
1: chat with you. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks, Katie. Thank you. Bye, all. Bye.
0: Thanks for hanging out with us at the KCI for this last chunk of time. Uh, if you'd like to follow us, Please uh, find us online at org, or you can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all under at Krauss Center. Thanks so much. Can't wait to work with you all soon.